Welcome to the Muckle Teal Football Show. My name is Miles. Episode 29. You're on YouTube today. This show is just football everything. NFL history, legacy, the ups and downs of a season, sprinklings of fantasy football. Follow us on Twitter at M-U-K underscore football. M-U-K underscore football. Uh, subscribe to the podcast, Apple, Spotify, Anchor. Subscribe on YouTube. Hit that bell. We have shows Monday after Monday Night Football and Thursday after Thursday Night Football all season long, and we'll be really gearing up for the playoffs here, too. But today, I want to do a special episode, a Thanksgiving episode. We're going to preview the the Thanksgiving games that are coming up and also look back in history. Top five Thanksgiving games, and I did not take this lightly. What makes a great Thanksgiving game? I mean, just like the American tradition of food, another great American tradition is great TV, compelling TV. This is not top five best box scores in football or the five plays you remember and call it the game, the butt fumble game. That wasn't a good game. You just remember the butt fumble. I'm talking about the five enjoyable television experiences as football games. And I did not wing this. I really wanted to get this right. Get ready for a lot of talk about the Lions and the Cowboys. (laughs) So I didn't want to do blowouts. Um, So before we do get to the top five, we've got to acknowledge some of the the great and memorable moments uh, uh, of Thanksgiving, the fantasy performances, the legendary performances, the, the, the best, the games that are often remembered as quote unquote, the best moments, but were they actually good viewing experiences? You know, we go 2004, Peyton Manning versus the Lions. Six touchdowns. Six touchdowns on his way to 48 for the season. Three to Harrison, three to Stokely. Was anyone really watching the last Marvin Harrison touchdown, waiting to see if he got six touchdowns and goes up 41 to nine? No, it was a blowout. It was a dud. There was also another, while I was doing this, obviously a lot of pro football reference, there's another six touchdown game in Thanksgiving history, and it's in the 70s, 1977, Bob Greasy, Miami Dolphins quarterback, usually captaining those, those ground and pound, no-name defense Miami Dolphins teams, but in 1977 against the St. Louis Cardinals on Thanksgiving Day, he throws six touchdowns. That is astounding for the 70s. Greasy, he led the NFL. He led the NFL with 22 touchdowns that year. 22. He scored. He, that was the most touchdowns thrown in the NFL season. 22. And he threw six of them on Thanksgiving Day against the St. Louis Cardinals. Later, the Phoenix Cardinals. Later, the Arizona Cardinals. This was not a baseball team. Uh, 2000, we talk about some rookies here. 2012, the RG3 game. Washington, four touchdowns, helped them get to the wild card round. That was a centerpiece of his rookie of the year uh, campaign. It was stunning. It was beautiful to watch. We didn't know it at the time, but Matt LaFleur, Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, all on the sideline coordinating that. Uh, Another famous rookie becoming a superstar in Dallas while Jerry Jones watches from his press box was Randy Moss, 1998. Randy Moss, he took three passes from Randall Cunningham 
on the Vikings, 163 yards and three touchdowns. Three receptions, 163 yards, three touchdowns. Check out episode one of the Muckleteal Football Show where I detailed the joy that this brought my grandma and I as we had Randy Moss in our fantasy team. That was my first year of fantasy football. All downhill from there. (laughs) There were a bunch of other great fantasy days I wanted to mention. 2008, Eagles, Brian Westbrook, four touchdowns. Uh, Packers, Sterling Sharp had four touchdowns uh, from Brett Favre. Um, 2008 also, uh, uh, Lions. The Lions just got their their butts blown off by the Titans in 2008. It was so bad. It was 49 to zero or something like that. It was so bad. This is on the way to Detroit's 0 and 16 season. So bad that the, the commission of the NFL actually had to come out and make an official announcement confirming that yes, the lions will keep hosting Thanksgiving, but this issue can be brought up in the future. That's a blowout. The blowout is so bad that the commissioner has to come and say, yes, this team is going to keep playing on Thanksgiving. (laughs) Uh, 2014, I personally enjoyed the Seahawks demolishing the 49ers and Sherman eating the turkey on the 49ers logo. That was fun. 82, uh, Lawrence Taylor, that big turkey moment when when he gets the pick six at the goal line against the Lions and the 100-yard run back. I mean, in the short, in the short, uh, a who was Lawrence Taylor clip. You always see that one. And that was on Thanksgiving day. Then there's the butt fumble and by con- Mark Sanchez's butt fumble uh, in 2010. And by contrast, Tom Brady's perfect day he had the perfect passer rating that day. And then there's a bunch of Emmett Smith, a bunch of Barry Sanders. Honestly, they deserve their own episode. I think I'll come back next Thanksgiving and I'm not just going to keep doing the top five every year. Right. I think next Thanksgiving, I would just devote the episode purely to Emmett Smith and Barry Sanders, because that was the 90s. The whole 90s was a Barry Sanders morning and an Emmett Smith afternoon, and a turkey somewhere in there. All right, let's get to the top five. Top five games, and we are talking about good games, games that are competitive, games that have a great ending, games that are exciting, games that have an impact, and I want to start number five. We have to start. Well, we don't have to. We can do whatever we want, but we're going to start with number five, 1998, the coin toss game, the coin toss game between the Steelers and the Lions is a controversial topic. Steelers, Cordell Stewart, Lions, Charlie Batch, who later becomes a Steelers backup, longtime Steelers backup for eight years. Um, It's a it's a thump fest thump fest with a bunch of inefficient running seven field goals on the way to a 16 to 16 tie. And then, of course, we get to overtime, a coin toss where Jerome Bettis on TV appears to have said tails. The coin landed heads, and the ref said, you called heads, Detroit wins, Detroit gets the ball. And the reason given, given by the ref, and not accepted by anyone else, by the way, not accepted by the media, not accepted by the fans, not accepted by the players, the reason given is the ref said Bettis started to call heads and then changed it to tails, which you can't do. Strangely, Steelers fans... For whatever reason, we don't know. It's a mystery. They just don't carry the same energy about this game as they do about the 2005 Super Bowl. Because you don't hear a lot of, maybe you should have stopped Charlie Batch from driving to the winning field goal. Or Jerome Bettis. Maybe you should have done better than 26 carries for 67 yards. 26 carries for 67 yards. 
Just got to get that 27th carry. That would have won the game. It is the Pittsburgh media who enhanced the audio. They enhanced the audio and confirmed the referee's contention that Bettis had said heads, tails, and changed it. Bettis eventually agreed to this as well, even though he called it a bald-faced lie at the time and everyone gave the ref total crap. What I did not know, and is really missing from a lot of these conversations when we talk about the coin toss game, is that there's actually, the rule was written down that you cannot change your call. I feel like that is just not mentioned enough. There was a rule that says you cannot change it, no matter what, if you say it first, and then even if, it, if you, tails, 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 before the coin lands, you can't. Because conversationally, if I was in a room throwing a, throwing a coin up in the air for Jerome Bettis, and he said heads, and then he said, tails, 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 no, I want tails before it landed, I would have given it to him because he clearly changed his mind. I did not realize there's an actual written rule that you cannot change your mind. I feel like the ref deserves <laughs> some, some vindication. And then, of course, we had the good rule change anyway, which was that the call comes before the toss. Simple, easy. I love that rule change. By the way, this is a big Herman Moore game, 148 yards. He was big on the overtime drive. Barry Sanders had an inefficient day, not as bad as Bettis, but he did have the nine-yard run to get into field goal range for Jason Hansen. All right, number four. Number four, top five all-time Thanksgiving football games. The 1980 Bears come back over the Lions, staying in the Silver Dome here. This was the, the end of the era, but we're still well within the era of the superstar running back. It's hard to understand. It's, quarterbacks are superstars now. There's, there's famous running backs, but at this time, running backs were the faces of teams. They were truly the faces of teams. Six-year running back Walter Payton was the most famous person in the NFL, probably. I mean, O.J. Simpson may have been the, been the other. Franco Harris, who knows? I don't know. Mean Joe Green. But Walter Payton, six-year superstar versus Lions rookie, first overall pick, Heisman winner, Billy Sims. It was Sims versus Payton. That was the marketing. That was the big deal for this game. And both of them were already over 1,300 yards coming into this game, which was week 13. So they were averaging over 100 yards a game, both these guys, Sims in his rookie year, Peyton in his sixth year. Billy Sims is so lost to NFL history. I feel bad for him. He won the Heisman in 78. In 1980, he was the first overall pick. He has an st- amazing start to his career. 80 and 81, he reaches 1,800 yards and 15 touchdowns in both seasons, 1,800 yards and 15 touchdowns in both of his first two years. Then 82 and 83, he's still on the team, third year, fourth year. He has a couple injuries, so he doesn't get the volume stats, but he leads them to the playoffs. And then in 84, he has a knee injury, and he's done, and he's, and he's gone. But for a little bit of time, he was right there with Walter Payton, Earl Campbell, Eric Dickerson joined him. But history is so cruel, so cruel to Sims because – In 1989, another Heisman winner running back from the same state, not Oklahoma, but Oklahoma State, is drafted by the same team, the Lions, takes the same number, number 20, and becomes one of the greatest running backs of all time. Number 20 for the Lions is Barry Sanders. Billy Sims is just lost to history, even though he had those great years. 
but not at this time. Not in 1980. Sims was the new hotness. He was the new superstar. The Heisman winner had come into the NFL and he was dominating. And he and and Sims and Peyton were both rolling in this game. Peyton had 123 yards. Sims Sims had 121 yards, uh, including the 47-yard screen pass touchdown uh, that put the Lions up 17-3 going into the fourth quarter. The touchdown was in the first half, but the Lions were winning in the fourth quarter, up 17-3. And in 1980, that means the game is done, basically, um, especially with the Bears quarterback, Vince Evans, you know, not even a not even a good quarterback for the time. Uh, and the Bears manage a touchdown. They force the Lions to punt. They get the ball back at their own five, their own five yard. And they have 95 yards to go with Bears quarterback, Vince Evans. And he drives them, drives them 91 yards to the four and then gets a rushing touchdown with zeros on the clock. To tie it up, to tie it up, and you should see them celebrate the extra point. Uh, if you if you YouTube this game, they just they are absolutely pumped to tie this game up with the extra point. <laughs> uh, so they get that, and then the Bears win the toss. The Lions kick it off, and the Bears return the kickoff for a touchdown, and they win. <laughs> the game's over. <laughs> bummer for Billy Sims, bummer for the Lions, but a thrilling ending. You didn't see a lot of ninety-five yard drives capped by an overtime kickoff return. It was a great game. It was a fun game for for Bears fans, not Lions fans. And let's go to number three. And this one also sucks for the Lions. So sorry, but we'll go once more to Detroit in the Silverdome. The final two will be in Dallas. So this this is our last visit to Detroit. And this is the 1986 Packers Lions Walter Stanley game. Punt returner Walter Stanley a random shootout in the mid eighties between Detroit quarterback, Joe Ferguson and green Bay quarterback, Randy Wright I can honestly say before doing this episode, I had never heard either of those names in my life, but they both threw three touchdowns in this game. There was a ton of points in this game, seven field goals, three touchdowns, five turnovers, action, actions, a very eighties way of, of getting to, to 84 total points. But this game had a lot of action. The highlights are long. That's why it's above the coin toss game. Equally good ending you're going to see, but more action in the game. And the Lions blow this game as well. <laughs> they, they had a blocked punt touchdown earlier, and the game ends with this stunning special teams Packers punt return. If you ever want to see Detroit futility personified on screen, go watch this game. Go watch this punt return. Walter Stanley 1986 Packers, maybe just YouTube Walter Stanley 1986 Packers or find the highlights of this game and skip to the end. The Lions load up for a punt block. They rush 10. One guy is back and it's Walter Stanley. The Lions have like seven or eight guys in front of Stanley. Stanley fakes like he's going to the left and does a quick loop back to the right and up the sideline. And every lion falls for that one move. They all fall for it. Quite literally, seven, maybe eight lions without a blocker between them all go past Stanley and Stanley hits up the sideline for a touchdown. (laughs) And the lions uh, have blown it again. And the Packers win. Packers return the punt. They win 44 to 41. Stanley had two other touchdowns in this game and then three more for the rest of his career. So he was a Thanksgiving star, a one-time star. 
but he's not even the biggest one-time Thanksgiving wonder on this list because we have to get to the game that is often called the best, the best game uh, uh, or more, most memorable game of Thanksgiving. At least it was when I was a kid in the 90s, and this game was 20 years old at that time. Now it's 40 years old. It is the 1974 Clint Longley game. Dallas Cowboys backup quarterback Clint Longley comes in for Roger Staubach and leads them back to a victory over the Washington Redskins at the time, Washington football team now. The Cowboys, I mean, hey, they've been blessed at, blessed at quarterback. Staubach, Aikman, Romo, now they have Dak. But every once in a while, on Thanksgiving, the Dallas backup has to come in and shine. There's a Dallas tradition. To the, Romo had it. Romo got hurt. Kitna came in 2010 and went toe-to-toe with Drew Brees in that 2010 Thanksgiving Day game. The Super Bowl champion, defending champion, Saints. They got rocked by John Kitna. I think they actually then lost, but they, they put up a fight, an unexpected fight. And then 94, Troy Aikman was hurt. Jason Garrett, yes, that Jason Garrett, came in for Aikman and won the game over Brett Favre. The Sterling Sharp Packers won a shootout. So a Dallas Cowboy backup quarterback coming in has become a tradition, and it started with Clint Longley, the Mad Bomber from Abilene Christian. Another reason this game is so good is just because of the anecdotal and just the way the story is just told. <laughs> He's the Mad Bomber from Abilene Christian. Out of nowhere, he was picked in the supplemental draft, and the Washington football team, they had a strategy that they openly talked about, which was to knock out Roger Staubach. It was openly discussed before and after the game to the press as a strategy. Knock out, referring to what we today would call give him a concussion, <laughs> make him lose consciousness. They weren't talking about snapping his knee or anything. They weren't talking about hurting him. At the time, and right or wrong, it was just thought of different. I mean, this is this is what happened. I don't know what to tell you. This is what people thought. They thought it was just getting your bell rung. They thought it was just you need to shake out the cobwebs. It was unacceptable to come out of a game if you're woozy. If you, you didn't hurt your knee, why are you out of the game? And they would say it on the broadcast. Oh, he got his bell rung. He needs to get back in there. Everybody gets the bell rung. And some players have confirmed there's actually a bounty on Staubach in this game, like a $200 bounty or whatever. I don't know what to tell you. It's what happened. They were also named the Redskins at the time. If you watch the broadcast, they called them the Redskins. Um, so they knocked out Staubach <laughs> in the third quarter. Someone collected the $200, and Dallas had to bring in this rookie, no-name Clint Longley from Abilene Christian from the supplemental draft. And at the time, the Redskins were up 17-3. There seemed to be no hope. It's the third quarter, and Washington really needed this game, too, to go up two games in the NFC East. They needed this game. If the Cowboys won, then they would be, you know, it would, it would be like a two-game catch-up for the Cowboys. So Longley comes in and just starts slinging the ball. Two touchdown drives. He just leads two touchdown drives straight down. Long ones, too, to bring Dallas within one point. Washington bounces back, regains their focus. They score. There's a field goal block in here as well by two tall Jones. But in the days, just like I said, in the days where the passing game wasn't that efficient, a six-point lead was considered to be enough. So it's at the two-minute two warning. 
the Cowboys have the ball, two minutes to go. Roger Staubach is in the locker room or wherever he was doing smelling salts. And it's hopeless. It's first down, second down, third down. Now it's fourth down. Under a minute left to go. Washington, D.C. is feeling good. And they need this because this is right after the Nixon-Watergate scandal. The Capitol needs this. It's fourth down. And Longley converts it. Converts it. The game is not over. Converts to fourth and six. Gets to the 50-yard line. There's 35 seconds left. And then the play that is on the Thanksgiving highlight reels. They're from the 50-yard line. And Longley just drops back and he's like, what do I got to lose? And bombs it deep down the sideline to Drew Pearson. Caught. Touchdown. The Cowboys win the game. And Longley never played significant time for the Cowboys ever again. Apparently, he sucker punched Roger Staubach a couple years later and was traded to San Diego. That adds to the legend of the game. Just weird. The thrill of this underdog rookie taking on. The Hogs of D.C., they were a great team at that time, and then vanishing forever after this. That's why it's number two, because it was thrilling in the moment. Who is this guy? Who is this guy? What is that college? Why does he have a nickname called the, like the Mad Bomber already? And where did he ever go? Never, never started another game, never did nothing. Came in for some mop-up duty, but nothing. Quite interesting. All right, number one. Number one Thanksgiving game of all time. I think everybody knows where we're going with this. It is the 1993 Leon Lett Snow Bowl between the Dallas Cowboys and the Miami Dolphins. And, you know, the first memorable component of this game is the fact that the field in Dallas was ice and snow covered, covered. They did not clear this field. It was covered in ice and snow, a winter storm, a wild Texas blue norther, as Waylon Jennings would call it. The, f- the play conditions were slow. It was truly covered. And this is, this is the Cowboys. This is Troy Aikman, Emmett Smith, Michael Irvin, Jimmy Johnson coaching right in between their two Super Bowl victories over the Bills. And it's not Dan Marino. Not Dan Marino. Dan Marino's not in this game. He had a torn Achilles in week six of this year. This was Steve DeBerg for Miami. And a lot of running backs for Miami. Keith Byers, Terry Kirby. DeBerg was no rando. He wasn't a Clint Longley. He wasn't a Walter Stanley. DeBerg was a, a longtime quarterback. Longtime quarterback. He, he was actually the 49ers starter before they got Joe Montana. So he started a couple years, and then Joe Montana came. He was also the Broncos started before they got John Elway. <laughs> and then he started like another 100 games for the, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Kansas City Chiefs. Actually, he was the ninth overall, uh, the ninth overall career passing yards leader during this game, during this 93 snowball. He was not a nobody. Ninth overall all-time in passing yards. He's now 35th. He was 34th 48 hours ago, but Andy Dalton passed him with that uh, screen pass to, to, to Mooney. Okay, we're getting off track. Anyway, the sec- second memorable component to this game, despite the fact that it was snowing and ice in Texas, the second memorable component is the wild ending, the famous ending. Miami down one with three minutes to go. Dallas 14, Miami 13. They need a drive to with a field goal. The Texas snows all over the field. And Miami 
gets moving. Well, actually, what I did not recall is actually they they fumble at first <laughs> and lose the and lose the game or lose the ball. Dallas gets it, goes three and out, and misses a field goal, and then Miami gets it again. I forgot about that. I I, I did not remember that, but I watched the highlights for this. So their second chance <laughs> with three minutes to go, needing to drive for a field goal in these crazy snow conditions, get. They drive and they move slowly. They get a couple huge plays, two big plays, a screen and a slant to Byers, redemption for his uh, for his uh, fumble earlier, and they set up this 40-yard field goal for Stojakovic. Now, the game's about over. Stojakovic is in the snow. They're clearing an area for him. They're trying to get it, but you can see it's even hard to scrape it off of the Astro turf. It is just iced. It is truly, truly bad conditions. And... He kicks it, doesn't really get his footing, and Dallas blocks it. Dallas blocks the kicks. The Cowboys stadium is rocking. Aikman and Smith are hugging. Jerry Jones got his hand in the, hands in the air. But you've seen this. Every, I don't know why I'm describing it in such detail. People have seen it. But wait, the blocked kick is rolling towards the Miami end zone, and a Dallas defensive lineman named Leon Lett, already famous for losing the touchdown to Don Beebe, celebrating too early. Leon Lett tries to recover it, and it's bouncing around in Miami gets it because he just fails to recover it and Miami gets it. He shouldn't touch the ball. The famous, you know, the famous play it, had he not touched the ball, Dallas wins and the end time is over and the refs, they sort this out for about 12 minutes and the call is eventually let Leon let muff the return technically and Miami recovered at the one. No, the seven, no, the one, you know, they, they go through like 12 minutes of real time trying to figure out what exactly happened. Meanwhile, this is an aspect I didn't really remember. Um, not that I remember this game, but I'm, I know about it really well, and I've watched the highlights before. Um, meanwhile, Doug Peterson, the holder for Miami's kicker, he's just scraping ice and just trying to dig down a clear, dry spot for Stojakovic this whole time while the refs are talking. He makes some progress at the one and then the seven and back at the one. Clever move. From the man who, twenty six year late twenty six years later, would call the Philly special. Uh, so we are talking about the Philadelphia Eagles head coach, Super Bowl champion. Uh, the short field goal is up and in. Dolphins win. The Leon Let blunder is forgiven because the Cowboys win the Super Bowl later that year. All right, top five Thanksgiving games. We are done. Surprised to not see any games from the 21st century on my list. So maybe we'll do another episode next Thanksgiving about best games of the 21st century, uh, best Thanksgiving games of the 21st century. And we also have to do the, the Emmett Smith, Barry Sanders episode. And you know, who knows we could do a Matt Stafford, Tony Romo episode. Cause they were, they were sharing Thanksgiving for a long time. So now we're going to take a quick break and then we will come back and preview the three Thanksgiving day games coming up going to be number one two and three on this list on friday bye hey you get a tough case of athlete's foot the itching the cracking the burning you want a medicine that acts tough boom tough actin tenactin clinically proven tenactin cures even tough cases of athlete's foot fungus get tough actin tenactin all right let's preview thank you john let's preview the thanksgiving games that will take place on thursday chicago at detroit lions our morning game detroit still with the thanksgiving game despite the growing course that 
the Lions are ruining one of the Thanksgiving <laughs> Day games. I like it. Don't change the tradition. I, you know, this episode is committed to nostalgia, as you know, going way, way back. And why not? Because, I mean, I'm going to contradict myself here, but is there really any excitement for the, for this game on its own merit? The 0-9-1 Dan Campbell Lions taking on the five-game losing streak Bears without their potential future franchise quarterback, Justin Fields, who... Matt Nagy declined to name as the starter after injury. Matt Matt Nagy, man, he would decline to order at a restaurant. They'd be like, can we take your order, sir? And he'd be like, he would just decline. He will sit at the table. Maybe he will eat. Maybe he won't. He's not going to get into that now. He'll decline. I'm not a fan. <laughs> Matt Nagy's terrible with the media. But this game, Tim Boyle, likely Andy Dalton. The unknown, hopeless versus the fading semi star. Got to think, Dan, Dan, Danton, Dalton has this, uh, you know, pretty comfortably. But but who cares? Who cares? <laughs> Did you know the Lions and Bears played every Thanksgiving for five years, nineteen thirty four, thirty five, thirty six, thirty seven, thirty eight. Red Grange in that first game. Red Grange. That just blows my mind. During the Great Depression, we've got Detroit Lions versus Chicago Bears playing on Thanksgiving. And now here in 2021, we've got Detroit Lions, Chicago Bears playing on Thanksgiving. I like that. I think that's fun. And there's been a lot of great, you know, Bears Lions game. We just talked about the 1980 game, the kickoff overtime. There was 91, 93, uh, 97 when Barry Sanders had the 167 yards and three touchdowns on his way to 2,000 yards, 99, 2014. And now we are are loading up on Bears-Lions. We are dishing up on Bears-Lions games because they played in Thanksgiving 2018, 2019, and now 2021. Bears won both those games. 2018, it was a, a... 16-16 16 to 16 tie for a while, but then Eddie Jackson, Bears safety, got a pick six and Matt Stafford and the Bears won. And then 2019 was the David Blau game. Uh, and Trubisky won that game with a, uh, a pass to Montgomery for the go-ahead touchdown for with two minutes left in 2019. And Tim Boyle hopes to do as good as David Blau. Uh, that was a surprising performance out of him. Though, again, the Lions did lose the game. <laughs> Uh, fantasy managers will be paying attention. DeAndre Swift, David Montgomery. But other than that, it's just a great year to prepare for the turkey. I'll take the Bears to win. And I think even even if Jared Goff is uh, is playing, I'll still take the Bears to win. I, I mean, I'm not a Goff uh, a believer uh, anyway. Um, and even if he did return, he would be returning from the oblique injury, which they say, you know, felt better is what they say um i i don't hear a lot of positive news that is described as felt better (laughs) so um i think i'll take the bears on this vegas dallas vegas at the cowboys their traditional afternoon game with the cowboys we already talked dallas at length uh obviously throughout this episode um but the raiders best thanksgiving moment if we're committing to nostalgia give the raiders a moment um 
They haven't played that much on Thanksgiving. They they had a 1967 AFL Thanksgiving in which the Raiders played the Chiefs battle of the two teams who would lose the first two Super Bowls to the Packers and the Raiders thumped the Len Dawson Chiefs 44 to 22 is probably a good one. Uh, we had this same matchup on Thanksgiving in 2013. Uh, the Raiders uh, with um, Rashad Jennings, they went up 21-7, three touchdowns. Um, but in Dallas, man, they just kind of roared back. It was That was the DeMarco Murray, Des Bryant, Tony Romo uh, put up 24 answered, 24 unanswered, three touchdowns from DeMarco Murray. So this game... Maybe a little less uh, less stocked. Dallas is going to be without Amari Cooper, potentially most likely without C.D. Lamb, uh, also potentially without Tyron Smith. We'll, we'll see. Hopefully not for Dak's sake. Zeke is banged up, but Pollard is there. So Dallas, you know, does have some personnel concerns, um, though they are playing a Raiders defense and a Raiders team that is on a skid 0-3 since their 5-2 start, 5-5 five five now. They have blown out by the Chiefs in Sunday Night Football. They lost to the Bengals in Week 11, in which was uh, a um, kind of a dull game, and then the Bengals just kind of ran away with it through mistakes uh, on offense and defense by the Raiders. I, I'm really worried about the, the coaching for the Las Vegas Raiders. I just... You know, I, I worry about the, the for lack of a better word, morale of the team. I know it's the big thing. It's a, on the field struggles continue with off the field turmoil. You know, it, 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 I don't know. I don't know what those guys are feeling. Um, but I do know that an interim coach who would never expected to be an interim coach uh, shouldn't be given the benefit of the doubt. I'm, I'm worried about the coaching. And I will, I will be worried until uh, proven otherwise. So I'll take the Cowboys here. Even though a sexy upset from the Raiders would be fun, uh, I will take the Cowboys. And the night game. We didn't get a night game last year because there was um, some COVID postponement happening with the Ravens and Steelers. Um, so we get one this year. Buffalo at New Orleans. Uh, Buffalo's best Thanksgiving moment, 1976, OJ Simpson, 274 yards and two touchdowns over the Lions. The things that, <laughs> the thing that stand, stood out in that box score, uh, is the Bills had, uh, the Bills quarterback, I don't remember his name, had 29 yards in that game. OJ Simpson ran for 274 and the Bills threw for 29 yards. At the time, that game was actually the rushing yard record, uh, but was uh, has been broken. I think it's six now, but um, that was a big Thanksgiving Day moment for the Bills. Uh, you'll probably see it on the broadcast. Saints' best Thanksgiving moment, probably the 2018 matchup with Atlanta. I loved watching that game. The Saints' defensive line, Cam Jordan, four sacks on Matt Ryan. But there was also a 2010 win over the Cowboys. Breeze had 352 yards. The so Saints have uh, fared well on Thanksgiving in the recent history. Buffalo, New Orleans. Eh, not as sexy as it looked three weeks ago. The Saints are without Alvin Kamara. No indication that he's on track to play. Um, the Bills are also banged up, hoping to get some players back. Uh, you know, they really need to bounce back here, and it'll have to be in the Superdome. Um, 
the offensive line they they're they're still without Feliciano uh Spencer Brown their their left tackle he was on the COVID list uh during the Colts game it's unclear if he will play and the Bills were without two key defensive players which may help you know excuse some of the Jonathan Taylor dominance that happened last week but maybe it doesn't uh, uh Tremaine Edmonds looks like he will play and I, I don't have an update on Star Latulier uh a defensive tackle but Ultimately, I will pick the Bills here uh, because the quarterback for the Saints is Trevor Simeon. So I'll take Josh Allen in the dome. Nice warm dome to, to throw the ball to Stefan Diggs. I mean, the Saints have no weapons and no quarterback. I just got to believe that the Bills, uh, a star power is enough to carry this game. But listen to all these injuries. A lot of injuries. Jared Goff, Justin Fields, Allen Robinson, CeeDee Lamb, Tyron Smith, Ezekiel Elliott, Alvin Kamara. This is a brutal, bone-breaking, ligament-tearing game, which is why the 17th game continues to just bring me unhappiness and dread. I, I just don't like it. And, and God, you go to 18 games. Just every week we lose five to six great players. Why lose five to six more? just for a, a a meaningless 17th game in uh in week 18 um well i know why it's for the television money um that is why it is for the money um but that is not the way we want to end the podcast i want to end the podcast by saying thanksgiving one of the reasons i did this is just because to me football and like the stats and the history and the teams and the uniforms and the players and the performances, it all transcends time. You know, it's just so fascinating to me. I, like that the, 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 the Bears and Lions were playing in the Great Depression that, you know, there was there was people playing in the 60s. You know, uh, we played Thanksgiving after John F. Kennedy was killed. You know, we, there, we played NFL Thanksgiving through the, through the 60s and the 70s and the 80s. And, you know, into the Gulf War in the 90s, Barry Sanders, Emmett Smith, and then the 2000s and, and all of our childhoods and, and still going on. And it's just, uh, it's a cool little touch point. I love the history of it. I love the the quirks. Uh, it's not a playoff game, so kind of you know the the players are a little bit different, but history can be made. I'm hoping for one of these games to be a classic, and I hope to report back uh, on that front Thursday night. I'll review all three games, and then uh, we will go through. Uh, we will preview the rest of Week Twelve. All right. My name is Miles. Thank you, and good night.